Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. When I first read this passage, I was 18, and I was thinking, what? Jesus says, here you are. You know what hit me was it doesn't say Jesus is. That's what I was expecting. Jesus would speak that of himself. Now, later on, he does say that he is the light of the world, and we all agree with that. But isn't it radical that right out of the gate, the first sermon, this big radical moment, he radicalizes you and me, he says, tag your it, and says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. It's us. And there's no backup plan. He doesn't say, in case you don't do it, here's what we're going to do instead. The big plan and the only plan is that you and I would be salt and light in the world. So that asks the question, what are those elements? What is he talking about here? Well, the two things are distinct. Salt and light are not the same thing, but they have two things in common. Salt, on the one hand, is a preservative. They had no refrigeration. They would keep meat and so forth preserved for a period of time from bacteria by packing it in salt. On the other hand, light. If you want to have some goodness, bring in some light. If you want to chase out the darkness, bring in some light. So what do these two things have in common? Well, what they have in common is they both permeate their environment. Salt pressing into the outer layers of the meat, light pressing into all the different gaps that are they're filled with darkness, and then they transform. They permeate, then they transform their environment the two things that they have in common. So apparently, this is what Jesus is wanting you and I to permeate, to do, to permeate and influence our world. As you know, we have the expression here at North Coast Calvary, transformed people transforming our world. And that comes directly from this passage of Scripture. And then Jesus says, that our purpose must be guarded. He says, if the salt loses its saltiness, it can't be salted, become salty again. And then it says about the light, that it has to be in a lampstand. It can't be hidden, or they lose their purpose. So the two inherent risks that we apparently have as Christians that Jesus is talking about is that we would, one, lose our uniqueness, our saltiness, our light, that we would just become like everything else in the world. And the second thing is that we would hide it, that we would not want to penetrate and influence our world. I was struck by an encounter I had when I was in Egypt as a younger man. I... uh, thought that, well, how can a Christian be salt and light in Egypt? It's largely a Muslim country. And I was so impressed when I discovered them doing this thing called kids games and how they invited all these children who were from Muslim backgrounds to discover values that come 
from Jesus and to learn to be loved by Christian coaches in various sporting games uh, who love them with the love of Jesus. And this is tens of thousands of kids going to this kids games. And of course, years ago, maybe 20 years ago, we imported this back into our country, into our community, because it was doing what Jesus said, being salt and light. So if we lose it, whoa, watch out. Well, one of the reasons I love that I go to your church is that you believe this just like I do, that you've been in the community transforming this world for Jesus. But we live in a cultural moment right now that is completely unique, where now because of uh, the mandate from government, we find ourselves socially isolating ourselves from one another because we don't want to contaminate one another and we ask ourselves the question, well, how do we do this? It's great to find out that this is who the church is because when we can't meet corporately together, we can still be the church, but now we have to think creatively, how do we do this when we're somewhat isolated from one another? You know, Jesus speaks about the church in two different ways. He only uses the word church two times in the Bible. One is, he says, in Matthew 16, he says, I tell you that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then in Matthew 18, he speaks about the church is kind of being a fellowship, that if there's some discipline that's necessary, we have to take it to the whole church. And I take from those two instances that there are two aspects of the church. One is the church when we're gathered, when we're fellowshipping together, and that's what we normally think of as church. But the other aspect in Matthew 16 is the church on the move, the church in motion, that's marching against the gates of hell and the gates of hell cannot stop us. So now pause. Can the coronavirus stop us? According to Jesus, it can't. The gospel is marching forth through the church and this is just a readaptive moment that we and I, you and I have to figure out how we're going to do this. So we got the fellowship down, but now the church in motion is being pushed upon us. And so I'm digging in and figuring out, wow, how do we do this? This is pretty exciting. Years ago, when we had this encounter with Al-Qaeda, I found out that there were all these sleeping cells around the world, that there were these radical terrorists that were waiting to wake up and bring terror to our world. You know, and I thought to myself, Al-Qaeda has nothing on us. We have Christians all over the world. But sometimes we are kind of sleeping. We haven't woken up yet. But when we wake up to discover the purpose that Jesus gives to us here, oh my gosh, it's like Jesus waking up in the back of the boat and commanding the waves to be still. This is you and I waking up to this purpose. So here's the question for you and I. 
And in just a moment, we're going to transition to a conversation that I want to have with Ryan and Jen about this very thing. How do we move forward over the next month being salt and light to the world, fulfilling the purpose of the church? Jennifer and Ryan, this is so exciting. And I love the fact that we're having this interaction here because I think it helps all of us to take it home into our houses, into our community. Mm. And so, Ryan, I'm talking about salt and light being a picture for Mm. the purpose of the church, which is a radical idea for me. What has been your journey in this? That's a great question, Mark. My journey, well, it starts as a non-Christian. And I remember as a non-Christian being invited by a friend to the Pacific Amphitheater. Greg Laurie was preaching. So this is really almost one of my first experiences with the gathered people of God. And for me, it was initially intimidating. So my first experience with the church was it was intimidating. I didn't feel like I knew what to do. Everyone's worshiping God. And I was a little bit overwhelmed. But that changed. When I became a believer, I remember one of my early um, close friends explained to me that the church is like a fire. And he asked me, Ryan, if you take a coal out of the fire, what happens to that coal? And I instantly, I just knew it was, well, it's going to burn out. Right. He said, that's what happens when you're not rooted in Christian community. And I got it. And I've held on to that my whole life. And so for me, it went from a place where I felt intimidated. I had to prove something to somebody to a place where my faith is inspired. My faith is stoked. And it's a place, it's a place where... Um, my faith is taken to the next level. And I want my faith to burn brighter. And all these last 25 years of following Jesus, I have experienced a church as a place where my faith is encouraged to burn brighter than it could so if you, I were alone. So you almost have a, a third uh, element metaphor here of fire. Yeah. You know, the idea of a coal. And we come together and, and the coal now burns brighter. It's stoked to use your word. And then we go out into the community yeah. Uh, on fire instead of uh, frozen chosen. That's right. That's well, because right. that was my experience. Was my, my story was growing up in the church. So I had okay. that concept. Yeah. But for us, it was more like a holy huddle. Okay. Like we knew being part of the church, the church family, we stoke each other and we're a nice little flame here going on. But then the concept of this passage is that you can't just stay right here, a little light shining with a lampshade around you. Yeah. You actually, you put your this light is put on a stand, and it's meant for everyone to be able to see it. And that was a revelation for me: is that the church is not meant to just be, well, that's good for you, and I do mine over here, and everybody just does their own thing. But the church, we are called to exactly what you said: permeate and transform our surroundings. Yeah. Because our church exists, there should be a ripple effect felt throughout the community. That we can't be a holy huddle; it has to expand. Yeah. I, was, I was feeling that. Yeah. I think that's what was happening. When I went to the Pacific Amphitheater and people were lifting up their arms and they were worshiping God, they were letting that light shine. And to be honest, when you're asleep, light can be a disturbing, disquieting thing. Yeah. It can be a disruptive thing at first. Yeah. And I was feeling that. Yet it was disruptive, but in time it did wake me up. Yeah. And I think the role of the church is to help awaken others to, to faith that they don't know that they can have. And that's the thing. They at some point have to encounter Christ. Yeah. So I, I'm curious about this discussion because uh, it, you know, it seems like there's two aspects. One is the telling and one is the living. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, 
sometimes we're telling people maybe a passage of scripture or something God has done or a truth, but in the Sermon on the Mount, he never talks about telling. Mm. It's just about living, Mm. which is maybe something I'm- More challenging. Yeah, I'm weak at that because it's easy to yap around Jesus rather than just live it. How do you guys live Jesus out in your community? Do you want to hit that one, Jen? Or do you want me to go? Okay, I'll go. I have an idea. You know, one for me, Mark, is there's this phrase, and you can tell me if you don't think this is a good one, but this is what I've lived with. This idea that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Sometimes I I find myself... Say that again. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And when I was younger and I was on, I was a new Christian, I was on fire and I was telling my family about Jesus all the time. I wanted to be that salt. I wanted to be that light to my family, but it was like taking a spotlight and blasting it in their eyes. And I was telling them about Jesus. I was telling them what I was learning from the Bible, but I wasn't as focused on demonstrating it with the way I honored my parents, the way that I was showing helpfulness around the home, the way that I was showing respect to my mom and my dad and even their different views. And as soon as I started to refocus my approach on from simply what I was saying to how I interacted with them, to listening to their concerns, to just being a good son, yeah, that started to earn me the right to talk about there Jesus is. in a different way. So earning the right to be yeah. heard. Yeah, that's a good uh, way to put it. Is it uh, St. Francis? Um, he's, he says, preach always and only when necessary, use words. Yeah. Well, our actions have to speak. Our yeah. lifestyle, we're talking about a lifestyle. I think um, for me, I, it's helpful to catch my reactions. Yeah. Are my reactions the way Jesus would react to a situation? Because that's an immediate tell if I'm actually living this out. Because yeah. it's one thing to think, I'm going to be nice today, or I'm going to be polite to that person. And you're very cognizant of it, and you're very intentional for that one moment. And then the rest of the time, you've forgotten about it. And so it's, it's constantly getting in the habit of thinking, I'm sitting with him. Jesus is right here. I'm hanging out with him. How is he responding to this situation? How is he acting? Is he listening first and then responding? Is he greeting with warmth? Is he, what is his attitude to this person who is saying these really oddball things? What is he doing here? And, yeah. and trying to truly model myself after what I think he would be doing is, is what it feels like for me to try and live it out. Let's go with that for a moment. Yeah, because good. Jesus says here in the text, you are. Yeah. And I don't know how that hits you, but first time I read that, uh, I felt like I was playing dress up. Mm-hmm. Like I just put on my dad's clothes and these sloppy arms. And, and, and <laughs> it's like, I'm not a dad. And he's calling me. He doesn't say you will be, you could be, try to be. Yeah. He says, you are. Wow. Uh, how does that hit you, Jim? It's huge because this is our identity. We are, I tend to be a performer. I think I need to earn it. I think I need to, one day maybe I will be, or maybe if I get it right, then I'll, then he'll call me this, or he's already saying it. By me simply believing in Jesus, loving him, I am this. 
I am salt and light, whether I think I've earned it or not, whether I think I'm doing a good job at it or not. I am this. It so is my very identity. Are we taking baby steps or are we just suddenly... So you have to step into perfect. it. This is who you are. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of... Um, I think... This is challenging, I think, even for our teenagers. And if it's challenging for them, I know it's challenging for adults as well because we don't want to stand out. We want to blend in. We want to belong. We want to be accepted. And to have this identity about ourselves, um, sometimes we run from it. Sometimes we downplay it. Sometimes we are like, we'd rather have the light so we can pull it out when we want to. I'll shine it and then I'll put it away. No, we are it. Whether we accept it or not, it is who we are. And it reminds me of like Clark Kent and Superman, honestly, like your very identity. Superman's identity was Superman, whether he dressed up like Clark Kent and pretended or not, it was still who he was. We all knew he was still Superman. Well, you know what's really incredible, Jen, I'm really just thinking about this as you're, you're phrasing it this way, is that being light is fundamentally about learning to be comfortable with who we truly are. Yeah. It's about being true to ourselves. So it's not play acting something yes. else. It's actually the yeah. real you. Yeah. And you know where I saw that? I saw that when in my years of college ministry. I remember when we would go visit freshmen in the first weeks of school and they would have filled out a little card that said, Yeah, I want to be a part of the Christian community that you're you know on campus and I would go to their suite or their college dorm to go visit them. And they would see me walk in and they'd, all the freshmen would be sitting in the suite, hanging out, playing video games or eating food. And I would know who the Christian was because they would be the one that would see me and then start to shrink in their seat. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. And I would say, hey, is there a James here? I'm with InterVarsity. And you could just see the look of dread on their face. Like, oh, you're calling me out. Yeah. Now everybody's going to know. That I'm a Christian. That I want to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to say what, just one other thing. I want, I want to add on well, to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. What struck me about that you are light and salt is in John uh, 9, 5, it's, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Yeah. So when Jesus says, you are the light, it's one of the few instances where Jesus is saying, I am light mm-hmm. yeah. and you are too. Yeah. He doesn't say, I am Savior and you are Savior. Yeah, I'm, I'm the son of God and so are you. Yeah, he doesn't say that, but <laughs> right. this is one of those things where he's like, I am light mm-hmm. and you are too. Yeah. And so when we look at the way that Jesus interacts in his life with people in the world, he's really saying, this is what it's going to look like for you as you follow me. Yeah. You know, I've always seen this as a restatement of what Jesus calls us to in Genesis chapter 1. 26, where he says, let us make man yes. in our image. Oh, man. That this, this huge mandate to go out as ambassador to God, to creation, that we would be the face of God. And so this is not that different, is it? No, that's so deep. It's so rooted in who we've always been. Yeah. It's rooted in... And isn't in, that yeah. all we've ever wanted to be? Yeah. Is the person, rather than society, mother, father culture we've all really wanted to be who God made us to be and what is that and here we are giving ourselves away uh, becoming who God wants and then giving that uh, to the world now the big question is is there grace (laughs) because sometimes we fail I mean Jennifer what do I do the day that I yell at the kids and um, my mom you know at the end of summer 
she would say, go play on the freeway. <laughs> and I'm just imagining uh, schools shutting down, um, kids coming home and, and a lot of tension in the home. Uh, talk to me about the grace we need, particularly for this season. Can I, can I say that? Because I actually think I need more grace than you. Do <laughs> <laughs> you mind if I go first? <laughs> Is that okay? I might need grace for, even for interrupting you there. I, I, it's grabbing me because I, I felt that today. I felt that today. Just even today, I was on the phone this morning with a dear friend and I just had to apologize about some stuff. And I think sometimes the pressure to be light and salt means good, isn't very salty. Mm. Um, and being able to acknowledge that, confess that, and ask for forgiveness. It doesn't diminish the light of God through me. It's not an admission that I don't have light to, share, to shine. It actually allows my light to shine brighter. That feels very salty. It's yeah. full of light. I mean, because people just don't do that. But at don't first, apologize. it feels disqualifying. But I just apologized to a guy this morning on the phone and, and he was forgiving me. Yeah. But the point isn't that we're perfect. Yeah. The point isn't at all that we are perfect, salt yeah. and light. Because it even it's right there in the last thing that he says in today's passage. Let your light shine before all people so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's not... So that we are doing everything perfect, these good deeds. It is not about putting the spotlight that we are perfection. It is we shine upon Him. It's yeah, how that's we the full circle that's, it brings yeah, it back it's to Him. How yeah. we are responding, Beautiful. how we live, gives glory and honor to God. And so it's when we mess up, how do we handle it? How do we apologize? How do we own our mistakes? How do we own our humanity? And how do we be these completely flawed, broken? people and say, and yet I know a good God. And yet in my mistakes, in my doubt, in my failures, I know where to put my trust. I know where I put my identity. I know where my worth and value belongs. And when people see that, I think that's more compelling than watching a perfect person walk around life. Yeah. I think it's more compelling to see a broken person who is stumbling and they get back up and they they confess, they own, and they say, but I still know my value because I know who created me. Yeah. I know my identity. I know my Lord and Savior. I think the the delight and one of the most compelling things about this is that because this is who we are, whether we've earned it or not, whether we're doing a good job at it or not, the world sees how we interact, how we live out that faith and because of that, they are drawn to a, a good God too. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to take you to this cultural moment right now, the, the moment of the virus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're all sitting at home and we're thinking, okay, this is really good. I need to be salt and light. I can be that to my kids. I can be that to my mom and dad in the household and the family. Maybe occasionally seeing a neighbor as I walk the dog. How you doing? Are you still alive? <laughs> and just and this kind of stuff. Yeah. But it, it's, it's ironic that we're thinking about transforming the world uh, at a time when we're socially isolated from one another. So, and I know you're with me on this. So I have to believe it can be done even here now, but just as we're creatively thinking about how to Especially do, now. Especially now. Great. So how do we do church? We're, we're doing a lot of it online, uh, but we are the church, so we're reaching out. So Ryan, Jen, talk to me about this. 
You know, what really grabs me about the idea of light is light doesn't have as much significance in a place that's already fully lit. Mm. And it's really the way we are image bearers in a world that now has darkness. And in this time of fear and uncertainty, uncertainty about the economy, uncertainty about um, how the virus is going to spread, do we have enough food in the cupboard? You know, are we cleaning enough? Um, I think that it's a perfect, perfect environment actually to be light. This is what we were made for. And I think the first thing that, and I'll, I'll get my little thing in there, I think where it begins is, back to what you were saying, Jen, that our light and our saltiness is derivative. So I think for us to be salt and light in this time, I think first and foremost, it means that we're doubling down on our connection with God in this time. Mm. And so this is what it's like in our family. On the one hand, it's meant we're watching the news. We're becoming, we're staying aware of what's really happening. We're not afraid of the darkness. We're paying attention to what's happening in Sinead. We're listening to the local news. Mm. We're even allowing our kids to listen to it. And then we're turning around talking about what does it mean for us to have faith right now? Because I don't think faith or light um, is uh, hides from the darkness. It's not head in the sand. Let's pretend like there is nothing out there wrong. But no, there is something going on. So we're going to look at it. We're going to acknowledge it. But last night we were having a time of family prayer. And we just took time to pray through family members for, for protection. We were praying through some of our own anxieties that we feel as a family. And um, I think my wife and I have been talking, how are we going to use the extra time with our kids at home yeah. to actually have connection to God that in the past we haven't had? The temptation is, let's just watch TV and entertain ourselves. And there'll be some of that for sure. Yeah. There'll be some board games and you know, video yeah. games and all that. But my wife and I are trying to figure out how do we actually, in this particular moment, as you put it, Mark, this cultural moment, disciple our children. And I think that's something we can do with our roommates, our friends, our family, our, and yeah. and connect and stay connected with God with each other. Yeah. So that's one way we can have I, our salt. I like that because in this, it's in imposed solitude yeah. where um, we've always valued solitude as a discipline. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, the monks getting alone for a moment. And, and so this is kind of imposed and you're talking about, okay. That's a really good point. In, in the home, how do I revive true hope uh, not only in my life, but in my family. Yeah. But my question is, what do we do about yeah. out there? Our, our neighbors, our, our extended family, our work associates. I mean, we, we have so many loved people outside of our home and we're kind of detached at this point. Is there a way that we can still love them? How do we do this, Jennifer? What I... An amazing time to be in this situation because technology is our friend right now. We, I have one of our students is traveling the world doing the world race right now. She's been in five different countries already. And her little cluster of friends, they're like, oh, we talk to her all the time. Cell phones make everybody close. We're, mm. we're right here. Mm. And so it doesn't necessarily matter the distance in this cultural moment because technology is our friend. So you can still be reaching out in a number of ways. And with schools canceling certain events, there's a lot of disappointment going on. There's a lot of mm. um, grief and, and frustration and things like that happening. And you get to reach out. I Love like that from- you're, you're, you just started enumerating emotions, <laughs> uh, fear, disappointment, all these things. Oh, yeah. and so if we begin to think of those and how Jesus is the antidote 
Oh uh, man. Uh, not not yeah. through just talking but but by showing yeah. it. Showing it. Yeah. You you send that you make that phone call of, oh, I'm sure that's so disappointing to not get to do your school play that you worked so hard for. But I remember that you were on for that. I appreciate the work you put into that. Yeah. I'm still going to celebrate with you right now. Like We get to bring hope to a lot of people that don't have hope right now. So do you think that maybe there's an important distinction since we're t- totally talking about technology mm-hmm. and saying it's not just an enemy, it's actually a friend. Yeah. Um, you know, there might be some temptations in us to use social media mm. just simply, uh, maybe I type the word hope and I send it out to 1,500 people and say, be hopeful, and boom. Um, is, is that sufficient or do I need to dig a little bit deeper and, 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 and go more to an email platform where I'm actually writing to certain people Remember the old days where you would actually write a letter <laughs> yeah. to people yeah. and, and bring it to them? Yeah. And not even use the, of course, I don't even know those days. You, you, you didn't have the postman, you did the snail mail. But, but is, there, is it email? How do we do oh, for this? Sure. Anything that's a personal connection. Personal, yeah. Personal, that I'm thinking of you in particular rather than just everybody out there. I'm just going to use this as my platform. Everybody should be thinking this. Everybody, We see that everywhere. Everyone thinks that they need to have an opinion and that they need to place judgment on everything. And they just blanket statement all over the place. And I don't know if that's the most <laughs> effective thing to be doing right on, now. On another note, I think there is um, information we can pass on to each other via text, email, even conversation to our friends and others that is hope inspiring and there's stuff that we can pass on that actually is just going to continue to perpetuate fear. Mm. I think passing on helpful information so people can make informed decisions is good, but then there's going to be a lot of stories circulating that when you read it, you're going to feel it. Like, this is a fearful thing. Mm. This is just going to create more anxiety and to maybe not share that. Mm. Maybe with someone you trust, say, hey, that kind of made me stressed out. Can you just pray with me? Versus I'm going to put this out there and go, can you believe this is happening? That might not be as helpful. The other thing is, is I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I've been out walking and I've been noticing more people are outside. Me too. More people are out and about. And <laughs> when I'm walking by people, I can kind of tell they're like, not wanting, maybe can we connect, but Keep I'm just looking, yeah, but I'm looking at people and I'm just waving at them more than ever before. I'm kind of being dorky about it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good at that. And I'm just looking at people being a dork, smiling at them like, hey, what's going on? Just the other day, we were walking on a trail, just waved at them. And I'm just, I know it sounds maybe insignificant, but just looking at some, a stranger and waving and smiling and saying, hey, it's good to see mm. you or God bless or hope you're having an awesome day. Yeah. Even those little things, I think are valuable. Number two, I can already see my neighbors are out in front more. I think that's a really good safe space to be out interacting. Yeah. And I want to be more intentional about going outside, even if it's a little sprinkly, because I got teenage kids and they need yeah. to get outside. And um, to and, get outside and, and see my neighbors. <laughs> yeah. That's all my neighbors. You yeah. Know? And just, you got to walk the dog as you walk the dog, or in my case, you, you're just walking yourself. You see people, yeah. and yeah, you can ask, how are you? Yeah. Is it well with you? Um, and I think where people, maybe you sense people are feeling anxious and afraid or, or to not feel the need to answer and solve their anxiety, 
It's but, kind of controlling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, th- I to think, try to say, "Don't do this. You got to do." You know, yeah, does anybody really want to be told what they should or shouldn't feel? I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, but I, you do want. I think being salt and light is being a good listener, mm-hmm. listening without judgment. And I think something that I don't think people feel judged with is to offer to pray. Hey, it sounds like there's, you know, hey, those are good. I, 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 sense, I sense fear or anxiety or worry. How about we just pray about that right now? Mm. And I've never met a non-Christian friend. I, I have not. I mean, honestly, that if I say, hey, would you mind if I prayed with you right now? Uh, mm. I've never found one person mm. say no. Now, I've had people say, no, I don't want to hear the four spiritual laws or I don't want to open a Bible with you. Yeah, yeah. But prayer can or, be a really maybe don't thing. preach at me. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, some practical things that we can do um, both for our community and our, our, our church family? So we're socially separated, but I was wondering, uh, you know, we're all washing, cleansing, uh, you know, are you, you okay? Are you, everybody's staying healthy. So if I find out that someone is sick you know it seems like even though yeah I don't have the gear to come over and I don't have the testing apparatus that that I can call them hey you know how are you today how are you today and it would seem like also I'm wondering about if there's an elderly or vulnerable person that I'm aware of and if they get sick that that, and they can't get to a doctor, then, then I've got to kind of roll up my sleeves. I, again, don't have the gear, but I can help them call 911 because we want to we help the vulnerable. And, and James says that's true religion. So that's something I think that um, as this yeah. thing comes around yeah. us uh, that, that we can do. Yeah, we don't have to isolate ourselves. There's we're isolating in like maybe physically we are separated, but mm. there's isolation of the heart and the mind, and we don't want that. And someone that needs groceries, yeah, hey, toilet paper. <laughs> I saw a funny cartoon. It was the uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> And one of the horsemen is carrying toilet paper. <laughs> and the other horsemen look over at him and say, really? <laughs> now, I don't know how these services are doing right now with, with what's going on, but I think a couple practical things. Sometimes people who are older um, don't know how to use online services. So a couple ideas I was thinking is, one, there's different food delivery services you can access and you might be able to do for them and offer, hey, can I have some food sent to you? Mm-hmm. And hey, did you know that you could get food delivered mm-hmm. to you in this way? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be groceries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, the, Amazon has all, I don't know if they still have toilet paper. I don't know if it's through the roof, but they do have basic house products that you can have delivered. Hey, can I have this delivered for you? Yeah. They may be able to get it themselves, but I think your point, Mark, is by doing it and offering it for them, you are showing that you care about them, that, hey, I see that you have, that I see you, and, you know, maybe more practical than flowers or, or just a card. Yeah, so good. I, I'm loving what's coming from you guys because it's, it's, it's the Word of God, but it's help, helping us to know how to wear it because it needs to be our clothing in, in how we do that, particularly now. Thanks a lot, you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. What a rich time we've had here today, and I'm so glad that I go to your church. Hey, here's two thoughts that I'm imposing on myself, and I want to share them with you, and then I want to pray a blessing on all of us here. 
One is, this is an imposed solitude. And many of us, we go on retreats, we go away, uh, we get alone, we take a vacation day just to get some solitude. Well, this one was imposed upon us. But what if we lean into this rather than lean away from it? Uh, Get on the front of our skis and lean into this downhill experience. So here's what I'm doing for myself. I'm looking into my soul. The psalmist says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. So I look inside my soul and I ask my little buddy, how are are you downcast? And And I need to answer myself, hope in God. We thought we were hoping in God, but we were hoping in the economy. We were hoping in our wealth, in our health. We were hoping in our friends. And now that it's all gone for a moment, we've discovered that our true hope is still there. And it's Jesus. Yeah. So let's lean into the solitude. And then when we get those moments whether through texting or email or out walking the dog, we get the moment to share our hope. It's it's what the world wants right now. This world is starving for hope. And we have the hope in Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for being here. We thank you for your love, your grace. We thank you for the truth of your word, the worship we have experienced. And God, we pray that your spirit would be upon us this week. We desperately need your presence. So come, Lord. And may the Lord be upon you. May God's grace and his face be lifted up and shine upon you. May he give you opportunities to share his love and truth with other people. May you grow deeper in your hope in Jesus Christ and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.